Hey everyone, it's Bombs Away, a Minnesota Twins podcast. I'm your host, CJ Baumgartner, and we're going through all of the latest Twins news. Of course, we had our instant reaction to the Carlos Correa signing. Uh, that was pre-physical pending. Um, it is official. Carlos Correa is now a Minnesota Twin, and much rejoicing has taken place across Twins territory. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I've just been glued uh, to Carlos Correa coverage and any, I've just been scooping up anything, videos, tweets, information, articles. I mean, just anything I can to, to, to get more of this story. It's just so intriguing and just so unique. There has never really been a free agency like this in Major League Baseball history. And really, can you think of any free agency saga, let alone in Minnesota sports, but just in sports in general, that has been this crazy and this hectic and this many twists and turns to get to the point that we are of Carlos Correa being a Minnesota twin and the contract, all that stuff was accurate. And the more that comes out about it, the more I like the contract. Of course, I had all my thoughts on the Correa instant reaction and everything happening on that podcast. Go check it out. Apple, Spotify, and now the Bombs Away YouTube page, which is now a thing. So go check that out as well. So looking at the the Minnesota Twins now with Correa, let's take a look at the Carlos Correa press conference. Nothing too meaningful. I, I guess nothing. There was no like fireworks. It's not like uh, Carlos Correa and Scott Boris just completely set the MLB world ablaze. Although Scott Boris did his best the way he was talking about, uh, you know, the, the orthopedic issues and to him and, and all that kind of stuff. Obviously he has a bit of an ax to grind because he went from getting commission on a $350 million contract to only getting commission on a 200 million guaranteed contract over six years. So obviously I feel like Correa actually feels pretty good about the situation. And if you're Scott Boris, uh, you're not because you lost out on all that money. And that's his job. He's an agent. That's what he's supposed to do. Uh, a couple things I took away from the Carlos Correa press conferences. One, how can you not like Carlos Correa? Now, those of you who listened to the podcast throughout last season, even when he was going through his more rough periods, uh, I'd hear a lot of fan base go, is he overrated? I mean, what are we even getting in this guy? He's not even playing that well. He can't hit with runners in scoring position. Guys like top 10 all time and playoff RBIs. So nice, pretty clutch. Uh, anybody who just wants to watch the 2020 wildcard series, uh, Carlos Correa hits the go ahead home run at target field to give the Astros a one, nothing win in game two and send the twins home that year. So, uh, I mean, Carlos Correa is clutch. He's clutch. Give him another year. He had a weirdly bad year by Carlos Correa standards. He's really good. He's Carlos Correa. The, his Bad year is like a fairly solid year. Still at like three war, uh, according to fan graphs. But I digress. I talk about that in the last video. But I think with the press conferences, Carlos, I basically, I, I just really love Carlos Correa, what he brings to the table and everything. Um, and his press conference showed that he's a genuine human being. And I think that's something where if you're, I know Twins fans are like, oh, he's our third choice. Does he really want to be here? Obviously, if you're Scott Boris, you thought this press conference was going to be taking place in San Francisco or New York, definitely not Minneapolis. But if you're Carlos Correa, he just wanted to find a home. And you can totally give Carlos Correa, you totally give him a pass or you totally understand where he's coming from. He's like, you know what, this free agency kind of sucks. I just want to get my contract. I want to get my payday. And more importantly, I want security. I want to know that I have a team that I can just focus on. This is my franchise home and this is what I'm going to do. And that's what Carlos Correa said in his press conference. And it didn't come off as like, 
I feel like I need to say, you know, I'm a good guy in the community. I got to be a leader because lots of guys will say that in press conferences. But the thing about Carlos Correa is that he backs it up because he was here for a year. There's no like, ah, this guy's posturing or, ah, what does he do? Carlos Correa poured his heart and soul into making the Minnesota Twins uh, as good as they could be in 2022. And I get the final results. I know they finished below 500. I know they missed the playoffs, but Carlos Correa poured his heart and soul into being a good teammate into being around. He could have just treated this as a one-year mercenary contract and like, yeah, I'm friends with you guys, but like, let's be real in a year. I'm going to be in New York or San Francisco or Texas or whatever. I'm not going, it's the magic Johnson. I'm not going to be here. He wasn't the very first thing he did when he got to Minnesota or when he got to Fort Myers, because he signed in spring training was he took Royce Lewis out to dinner. The twins at the time, number one prospect, he took him out to dinner. And one of the very first days he was out in uniform and practice was helping Royce Lewis kind of like, Hey man, like I'm here, I'm going to help. I have all this knowledge. I have this experience. Let me give it to you. And he did that when he had no obligation to, because he was only here for a year. So if you're the twins, you have to be ecstatic about that leadership. And, and that's why he wants to be here. There's a connection. He def there's something genuine about Carlos Correa. And you could see he wants to make this place his home for better or worse. Maybe it's not where he wanted to be, but he's here and he's going to put his heart and soul into it. He loves the guys. He's a clubhouse presence. So I think that helps for Carlos Correa. I think I just came away with that. He genuinely cares about Minnesota Twins baseball because now they're his. It's his team. Uh, and not like he's like he's the only guy. Obviously, him and Buxton are kind of the, the two main guys. But just the presence that Correa brings into the locker room, into the clubhouse, into just everyday interactions, taking Jose Miranda under his wing. Uh, it was really interesting hearing Carlos Correa, not only in the press conference, but also talking with Chris Atterbury and Inside Twins. Uh, he had a quote uh, along the lines of like, you know, they, he said, I've had people tell me I lost out on uh, on $350 million. I'm only making $200 million. His spin on it, and this could just be spin more than anything, more than him just trying to put a happy face on it, was, you know, he grew up in Puerto Rico, not making, his family didn't have a lot of money. They had rice and fried eggs for dinner, according to him. Uh, so making $200 million is still life-changing money, and it is. It's just not $350 million. So whatever, but Carlos Correa still took the highest offer on the table to come to the twins. And I know that looks like being a mercenary, but at the same time, he said, just look, I'll play for people who want to pay me what I'm worth. And the twins paid him the best market value to show what he was worth. So he's here. Carlos Correa is genuine, uh, putting in the twins. The one thing I took away is Derek Falvey is like that ex who really wants to get back together with you. Cause apparently he just kept calling and calling Carlos Correa and just letting him know like, Hey man, like, uh, really want you to be with the Twins. Really want you to be here. Even when he left to New York, he was like, hey, man, really happy for you. Really whatever. And again, this is all press conferences are a lot of state run media. There are a lot of like happy talk and spin and whatever. But it's still really interesting to get to hear these guys and to get to hear what they have to say. So what I took out of it is Falvey kept calling. He was persistent. And that persistency and just kind of being around helped. In terms of like a high school scene, you know, you're that you're that nice guy who's always talking to the girl. And even though she wants to go to prom with this guy or wants to go to prom with the other guy, she can't make it work for whatever reason. And she looks at you and you're the last guy in the corner and she says, fine. And you don't care because the hot girl's going to prom with you. That's kind of if you're I don't know, it's not a great analogy, but it's the best thing I could come up with. Um, it's pretty much been like a dating game between the twins and Correa. They always just hang around and they Correa was just enough interested to keep you along the ride. So I think 
I, I don't know. I, I think just props to Falvey for always keeping his head in the game and not bailing because previous Twins regimes would have made good faith efforts and I use that in air quotes uh, of like Tory Hunter's contract, you know, his, they offered him an extension, but it was nothing compared to what the angels were giving him. But it's so they could turn around to the fan base and say, we tried our best. We gave him a contract extension and he turned it down. That's on him. Uh, Twins fans don't buy that after years and years of having that happen. Uh, so I don't know. I, I give props to fall. give props to him for making it work. Uh, and now, and getting a really, really great, contract so that's my bit from the carlos correa presser uh him being jokingly called the assistant gm is definitely something to uh to keep in mind because carlos correa had a hand in the twins bringing in jorge lopez last year carlos correa is a guy who when he met with the twins in 2022 in march about the free agents and he looked he's like your team's war what are you guys doing he's a he's an analytics guy he's a guy who's a student of the game he's always looking into how he can be better and how his teammates can be better how his team overall can be better and he's definitely gonna have a say in some personnel moves and let me put it to you this way the twin i know there's a lot of pessimistic people in the comments on social media that say ah they'll sign correa and then they won't do anything else well in terms of getting like a big free agent they're not probably going to do that and in terms of them going and and spending 30 million for another player in free agency next year or the year after they're not going to do that either but they will be aggressive in getting high quality players and trying to do that i still think that that's something left on the table and carlos correa and his approval is going to be a key factor in that and my last bit on the Correa press conference is him and Buxton and uh, Correa and Buxton, Correa and Miranda, they have a genuine connection. And that's something that can build a clubhouse around um, Correa. Also in his interview with Chris Atterbury talked about how, you know, Carlos Correa wasn't even committed to the twins and he was still pushing Jose Miranda to come into camp in shape and telling him like the attitude he should have, like he should come in shape. He should come into camp. So ready to play ball that he turns heads the moment he walks in, uh, down in Fort Myers. And now that he's teammates, that is only going to happen even further. Those guys have a connection through Puerto Rico, just through uh, the way that they played last year, especially now that Miranda is going to be third base, Correa at shortstop. Uh, all that makes out uh, just to, again, speaking to who Carlos Correa is and how good of a player he is. Look, this we've made a whole ordeal about free agency and about everything that's gone on, but like, it's just funny how the, this conversation could be a year from now. Maybe Carlos Correa's ankle is a real issue, and all of a sudden we're talking about, oh boy, the Twins are in for a world of hurt. Or, and this is the more likely scenario, that he just plays like normal Carlos Correa. Or even better yet for the Twins, a Carlos Correa with a chip on his shoulder, ready to prove everybody who doubted him wrong. Uh, and, I mean, that could also be something to watch out for for Carlos Correa. But I, I think that's basically all my takeaways from the press conference. There's nothing really, it's more just kind of peeling back the onion. If you really want a good conversation, breaking down the press conference and everything related to the timeline between Correa's free agency period and, and just all the facts involved, there's really great stories uh, in the Gleeman and the Geek podcast. Go listen to that. It's really, really good. Uh, I, I don't listen to their podcast, but that's one everybody kept seeing on social media. At least I don't like, I didn't get the Patreon, but that's one I did get the Patreon. It's really worth it. It's free advertising for them. Go listen to that after this podcast and just hear everything about how they talk about the free agency saga. It's bananas. One narrative on the twins that, again, I need to apologize for on this podcast. Uh, when I talked about the twins needed to come back in with a counter offer, there was no way they were going to do that after that deal with the Giants fell through because the Mets picked the ball up right away and ran with it. And Boris was not going to give the twins the medicals 
because they were already had an, a handshake agreement in place with the Mets. So why would you give another team that? Why waste your energy uh, if you're Boris? So that's why the Twins never made a formal offer to Correa after that. And plus, they were like, well, did we miss something? We need to go back and look at medicals. Is he hurt? What's going on? Twins were in the dark, and they couldn't get any information. So they weren't going to all of a sudden go from 10 to 85 to 11, 320 or, or something like that. So that's where things stand. But I think for the Twins, it worked out better for them. In the end, they got lucky. And you know what? Sometimes you got to be more lucky than good. And that's really all that matters. So that's my thoughts on the Correa press conference. That's my thoughts on Falvey and Levine and and, and uh, Carlos Correa, Boris, just everything in that aspect. So um, that's that's all it comes down to. Again, go listen to that Gleeman and the Geek podcast talking about, uh, with Dan Hayes, who props to Dan Hayes. Uh, Good follow on Twitter, just generally. He's a good personality. But also, his reporting has been phenomenal. Him and Ken Rosenthal, and Ken Rosenthal just won National Sports Writer of the Year the same day that he broke the Correa story with Dan Hayes. Uh, So just great reporting all around by The Athletic. That's another thing you should get a subscription to if you can, because it's really great. Dan Hayes does a great job, and there he was the one who broke the Correa probably going to the Mets story, or that the Mets were heavily active on Correa, and a lot of people, myself included at the time, thought, nah, it's just Boris posturing. Not that Dan Hayes so much was a Boris mouthpiece, but just that, you know, like, how accurate do we take this information? And through this process, it's given me credibility to trust Dan Hayes and The Athletic a lot more. Not that I didn't, but just they do they do their work. They take pride in their craft, and it's really, really good. Uh, I I used to work as a reporter for a year and a half in news, uh, and that just that respect for the attention to detail and the willingness to get things right, and not just push stuff out there because you have like the half information and just to run with it. Anyway, really good, really good reporting. Gleeman does a good job too at the Athletic. Really, there's a whole bunch of Twins writers that do a really, really good job. So. Uh, Props to everybody, but props to to Hayes and the work he did breaking the story. I've been glued to like every single article he's put out for the last like six days, uh, just reading all of this breaking down. So props to him for taking his time, getting really good information, and uh, they'll explain it all in that podcast. So there you go. That's that. Let's go into the what the heck do the Minnesota Twins do now? Because the honeymoon phase of signing Carlos Correa, we're still very much in it. But now comes the thing of how can the Twins improve post-Korea signing. And there's a few different areas that they're going to need to improve at. The first one is right-handed hitting corner outfield. Now, there's nobody really available in free agency anymore. I thought, because of the Twins, to get Carlos Correa on the 40-man roster to re-add him to that, they had to DFA Kyle Garlick. Kyle Garlick is probably going to clear through waivers because of how much money he makes No, uh, uh, in arbitration and the Twins agreement, I think, that they got to. So... I think he makes too much money for a team to really bring him in as a waiver claim. So he'll probably be stashed away in St. Paul and the twins can use him later. So that, that thing is not over yet. If you're a big fan of garlic mashed, that's not over yet. I don't mind Kyle garlic. He's just a very limited player when he's streaky. He's good. Uh, can't really hit right. He's hurt too often for my liking, but everybody was hurt too often for the twins last year. So maybe that's not that big of a knock. Anyway, Andrew McCutcheon was the big free agent. I had my eye on and, he went to the Pirates because, of course, he did because he's a Pittsburgh Pirate. I know he played for the Phillies and the Yankees and the Brewers and mix in whoever you want in there. Carlos, uh, uh, excuse me, Andrew McCutcheon is a 
no doubt, Pittsburgh Pirate and gets to finish his career there and have a 2015 Tory Hunter season. And that quote coming out of his press conference for Tory Hunter back then was, hey, this isn't my last year, but this is definitely my last team. And that definitely feels the same for Andrew McCutcheon. The Pirate, this uh, 2023 is in his last season with the Pirates, but the Pirates definitely are his last team. Good for Andrew McCutcheon. The Twins did offer him a contract, according to some reports, same amount of money as the Pirates, if not more, uh, and he chose to go back to where he started his career. Can't really knock him there. I'm going to love seeing Andrew McCutcheon back in uh, in the, the Pirates' uni, but really would have loved to see him in Minnesota. Thought he could have thrived, but he probably wouldn't have got the playing time that Andrew McCutcheon, a Hall of Famer, probably isn't going to like as a platoon player, so... Whatever, you win some, you lose some. Adam Duvall has been another guy as uh, the corner outfielder, first base, DH, right-handed hitting kind of guy. Keep in mind, the Twins really only have, in terms of righties, it's Correa, it's Buxton, and then Polanco switch hits and and all that. So they really don't have a ton of right-handed hitters. They need to be able to find a way. They have a surplus of left-handed hitters. They need to be able to find a way uh, to to get an extra guy to throw in the fold because left otherwise lefties are just going to own this lineup. There's no other way to, to put it, but there's not really any free agents available that the twins can sign that are really going to be a big step up. I know jerks and profile has been a name thrown around, you know, fine. I think anybody's a marginal upgrade over Kyle garlic. Uh, so if you're a fan of Kyle Garlick, he's probably going to get another chance to shine unless there's somebody out there in the trade market, but I can't see the twins giving up resources for an extra corner outfielder just so they can hit lefties. Um, seems more like that would be a trade deadline acquisition. You're not going to give up resources, especially when you're looking for starting pitching, which we'll get to in a second. But I think really, and this is something that according to multiple reporters in the post-press conference media scrum, Derek Falvey talked to reporters for like an hour. And in that hour, he threw something out of like, you know, Kyle Farmer, a right-handed hitter, could be that additional corner outfielder. Hasn't played a ton of outfield, more of an infielder, but has played, I think, all nine, uh, all eight fielding positions, including catcher uh, in the last three years. So he's somebody who has range or at least the ability to do that. So, hey, maybe Kyle Farmer is the guy. And honestly, Kyle Farmer got a lot of heat because a lot of people thought that was going to be the Twins opening day shortstop. Kyle Farmer is your opening day shortstop is mid at best. But now him as a utility guy is very, very ideal. Basically, you're right-handed hitting Nick Gordon. This guy can play some outfield, can play some infield, you know, so-so hitting, but not, not bad, but can, you know, can hold his own, but not great if you have to start him for like a three-week stretch, but a guy who can, you know, fill in for a 10-day stretch while one of the guys is on the injured list, you can get by with that. And I think Kyle Farm, it, it's again, look at how we view the Joey Gallo signing as well. Uh, me specifically, I was like, if this is your replacement for Carlos Correa, man, like to try and like, if this is just like how you're going to try and add value back, it's not going to end well for you. But Joey Gallo was a one year prove it. Hey man, like you got some good hitters around you go hit like sixth in this lineup, seventh, maybe, and just try and mash. You don't have the pressure of being a four hitter, you know, whatever. Maybe Gallo DHs, maybe plays left field, maybe plays center, maybe plays right. Uh, there's a few places he can go, uh, but just how different, Farmer and how different Gallo those additions look now with the context of Carlos Correa in the front runner uh, in the front of the parade of the twins offseason moves 
makes this team just look completely different. And then you can kind of give Falvey and Levine a little bit of credit, or maybe not credit's the right word, but you give them maybe a little bit of leeway. Like, all right, all right, well, you got the superstar player. These guys are just kind of icing on the cake instead of trying to make icing the whole cake because then you just get sick. But uh, anyway, with the Twins... That's kind of where things outlook. I think Kyle Farmer sneakily could be that guy. I think the Twins might just kind of roll the dice, maybe hope they could pick up a waiver claim somewhere. Maybe Kyle Garlic makes a reappearance due to an injury or if they have to DFA somebody else. Maybe Kyle Farmer does become that guy. I don't know. I, I'm Weirdly enough, I'm comfortable with it. Not super comfortable, but like the Twins have some other needs they have to take care of, more trying to get that front-of-the-line starting pitcher and working on the bullpen not like needing to majorly address the bullpen, but just needing to get a couple more pieces. I'm okay with them figuring that out first than trying to figure out the lineup versus lefties, because that's always more of a, it's easier to get just an extra right-handed bat who can play outfield at the trade deadline than it is to try and get a front of the rotation starter because you are going to get gouged trading. I know the twins could wait until the trade deadline to try and get some pitching help, some extra outfield, but this is, value-wise the time to do it because those selling teams have all the leverage in that situation because if you're a buyer, you're desperate to get better and to try and make a final push. So you always end up giving a little bit more uh, than you would normally have to. So there, you, that's kind of the outlook for that. Uh, anyway, looking into starting pitching for this Minnesota Twins team, uh, it's not that they need depth because we've talked over and over about how much depth this starting rotation has. What they really need is a top-of-the-line starter or somebody who has that ability to become one. Kind of that Jose Barrios guy. Like, you're a nice number two starter, and you have the ceiling to be a number one. Now, Barrios never has, and likely at this point probably won't get to that ace level, but will still get to be a very good above-average starting pitcher in Major League Baseball, which is nothing to laugh at. That's not a it's not a knock on Jose Barrios. It's just being an ace is really hard. It, not a lot of teams have an ace, and when you have one, you don't trade them. Or if they get on the open market, they make 35 to $40 million a year, like you do if you're DeGrom, Scherzer, Verlander, those kind of guys. Anyway, so the Twins are going to have to find somebody. There's nobody in free agency to help. Adding Michael Waka, I think the Twins are pretty much out on it now. Now that there's Carlos Correa here, there's a lot more pressure to just go get a good pitcher and not try and... Uh, get too cute with, oh, sign Waka and trade Gray and see what we can do. Maybe that's still on the table, maybe. But I think now the move is to go get a young guy with some team control. Keep in mind, Maeda, Gray, and Mally all are going to not be on the roster next year unless one of them signs a contract extension. So Pablo Lopez is a guy from the Marlins. The Twins are going to have to raid the hen house of the Miami Marlins. Uh, That's the most likely situation. That's where there's the most... Uh, a booty to plunder if you're a pirate, I, I guess. Uh, don't know where that came from. But uh, if you're if you're the Twins, Pablo Lopez is a guy you could look at. Um, they've had discussions on him. I think even going back to August, if I remember reading uh, that right, kind of in the Twitter landscape and just in the, in the papers and whatnot. But Pablo Lopez is a guy who they've had discussions on, has team control 
uh, up to 2025. So you get him for the next couple seasons. If you're the Twins, which is nice, you get that team control, which will last you past Mally, Maeda, Gray, and kind of gives you another year for some of these young guys to develop, maybe even get him an extension uh, while he's here. He's only 26 years old. He throws with the right hand, so you're still not getting a lefty. The Twins rotation still void. They have all these options, and they're all right-handed pitchers. So they're, that's kind of the situation uh, they're looking at. Uh, but looking at uh, baseball savant and looking at the sliders that they give uh, Pablo Lopez, uh, you know, does a nice job about not letting the ball get hit very hard. Uh, the hard hit percentage is in a nice percentile, except when the ball does get hit, it just gets mashed as a, the barrel percentage here. Uh, not very ideal teams can barrel him up a little bit. Um, he doesn't quite have the, the velocity on his fastball doesn't quite have the spin. So he's more of a traditional guy. He doesn't kind of have the wonky ness of that or, you know, being able to get the spin. Um, can't throw the ball very fast. Really relies on uh, fastball changeup uh, kind of to his arsenal. That's really what uh, his two pitches are. But as one of the best changeups in baseball, according to, to all these kind of league people tracking it. So uh, that's the thing. And of course, you know, the last twin, the last. Uh, Twin to have a really good changeup, or one of the ones that always comes to mind, Johan Santana. So, I mean, there you go. Not saying that those two are really connected in that way, but you know, just just to try and add, just to try and remember, Johan Santana was a twin too. So, there's that with Lopez. He had a really good first half of 2022, really, really good, and then followed it with a not so great. Second half, I think his first half ERA was like two. Second half ERA closer to four. Uh, so definitely had a bit of a drop off at that point. If you look at his ERA in 2022, it was still 375 in 180 innings pitched, 174 strikeouts, and a whip of just over one. So again, you want ideally you want the whip to be a little bit lower, but what are you going to do? Um, strikeouts are high. Uh, or getting like a strikeout inning, I should say. Uh, so I, I think he's a guy, I don't know, I, I remember talking to the trade deadline. If you can go back to my my trade deadline preview podcast uh, for Bombs Away, we talked about Pablo Lopez, and I said, this could be a guy the Twins should go get. He's a guy with some potential. And that was before that second half swoon continued, so his ERA looked a little bit better back then. I'm still high on Pablo Lopez. I think he's the guy the Twins most more realistically can get, and that's because he'll be cheaper because of the team control of two other starting pitchers that the Miami Marlins have. The next one on the list is Trevor Rogers. Trevor Rogers, if you take a look at his fan graphs, his baseball savant to see what's going on with his player profile. He's a guy who has an extra year of team control uh, through 2026. So you get three years of Trevor Rogers, which would be very ideal. Uh, you're going to have to give up a little bit more prospect wise to go get him. Uh, he did not have a great 2022. His ERA was five and a half, uh, just getting hit all over the yard. Not a great year for him, but 2021 was the year that looked really nice. If you look at his stat line in 2021, he had an ERA of 264, 133 innings, and a whip of uh, 1.15, getting 157 strikeouts and 133 innings. So that's that'll play. So it depends. Do you look at his 2021 season and you think that's the guy I want? Or and 2022 is more like I ah, fell down a little bit, but he's a young pitcher. It was only his, I think, third. 
full season pitching in the big leagues. You know, I don't hold it too much against him. Let's let him cook. Maybe. Now, I'm more on the line of upside. I think there's definitely more than that in him. He's way too young for him to just only have one good season. So I think there's definitely some ceiling there. But last year, he definitely had a a little bit of a fall to where if you're the Twins, trading for that to help you isn't going to help you that much because you already can get that from a Bailey Ober type. You already can get that from Josh Winder. You already can get that from some of these other young Twins pitchers that you have, and then you don't have to give up assets for. Uh, because keep in mind, and we'll talk about this in a second, those assets you're going to have to give up for Carlos Cor- or for uh, to get Carlos Correa some pitching help. Those assets you're going to have to give up to get a Pablo Lopez, to get a Trevor Rogers, to get even the third guy we're looking at in this list, Edward Cabrera. He's only 24 years old. He's under team control until 2029. This guy just made his big league debut uh, in 2021. So he's got a lot. He's ever, he's fresh. He's as evergreen as you're going to get him. And I think he's somebody that the twins could definitely take a look at. Now, last year he pitched only about 71 innings had an ERA of three. His FIP was pretty high. So it kind of showed he was punching a little bit above his weight. He's a little bit more of a work in progress. So it depends. Are you going with, yeah, he's not an ace now, but he has that ceiling versus like, no, nah, man, we need a guy who can just be productive now. Cause we're trying to win now. I don't know. Cause the twins don't really have anybody that projects as an ace in their, you know, triple a major league kind of roster right now. There's nobody that Joe Ryan's the closest guy. And right now he profiles as more of that Jose Barrios really nice too. never really going to pan out as one that could change. But right now that's kind of where I feel like it's sitting and the twins do need to kind of go get that ACE type guy. Those are the three names from the Miami Marlins. Those have been, that's the team that has so much depth at starting pitching. They have Sixto Sanchez. They have Sandy Alcantara. They have Max Meyer, the golden gopher in their rotation. They just signed Johnny Cueto to a contract. So they have all this extra depth at starting pitching kind of like the twins have now and all these position player spots. They're going to have to give up something there. Max Kepler is a guy that's drawn some trade interest. That's somebody you can move, but granted Max Kepler can't hit. He's hit terrible the last two years. So as much as he's on a cheap contract, you're still going to have to give up more than Max Kepler. If you want that, now who's willing to give up in your prospect pool. I'm willing to give up Austin Martin. If that's what it's going to take. Now jazz Chisholm plays second base. I believe for the, the Marlins or at least plays infield. Can't remember off the top of my head. So maybe they don't really need infield. Maybe you could use Martin as a, as an outfielding type, just extra depth, top prospect, Vandy boy, sell him on that pedigree. Maybe you have to give up a Larnick. I don't know. I don't know what the price is, but it's going to be steep. It's going to be one where you look at and you go, Ooh, maybe that wasn't worth it. And here's the thing for the twins. This franchise does not trade prospects ever, especially good prospects. Uh, high prospects, prospects that people have kind of grown attached to is this guy could come up and be kind of good. The twins haven't really had to deal with that in their franchise history. So every time it happens where you trade a guy, you go, Oh, it traded that prospect. And then all of a sudden he flashes up later and they go, Oh my gosh, the twins completely botched this. You could look at maybe a Spencer steer that they traded to Cincinnati last year. He He's going to see a lot of big league action next year. And if he looks to develop nicely, there's going to be people said, Oh, the twins never should have traded him, but, what do you do? That's the price of doing business to go get a starting pitcher in Tyler Malley. So you can't just not get a good player without having to give up another good player in return. It's like when Yankees fans would always make trades 
and they'd always be like, we need to get, and then they like, fine, we need to get uh, Justin Verlander at the trade deadline. You know, Gary Sanchez, I mean, if we can get rid of Gary Sanchez for him, like that'd be the conversations. And it just never made sense because like, you guys say this guy sucks, but now you want to get, but now you think that he'll fetch you a good player. And that's kind of the th- same thing with the twins. Like you want to, uh, twins fans is you want a good player in return. It's going to cost other good players or potential good players. You can't just get rid of Max Kepler for a nice starting pitcher. It's going to have to hurt whatever it's going to cost, but the twins do need to make this because either you make it now and get more value out of whatever deal you're making, or you wait until the trade deadline where you have to get a rental and pay just as much, if not more. So now is the time to do it. Anyway, in terms of bullpen, uh, bullpen help, for the twins and we'll get into the full bullpen stuff as this podcast goes, but the Carlos Correa news cycle has just given me a lot more stuff to talk about on the podcast where we kind of haven't gotten into the point where we look at certain parts of the roster and, and break stuff down. We do have a full breakdown coming where we do talk about the, uh, the bullpen and the relief core and what the twins can do and how they can maximize the starting pitching. I have an article for zone coverage this week, just talking about it. Go check it out. Zonecoverage.com. Minnesota twins have an article on on that and how the twins can get creative with some of their pitching, especially if they're going to go with a five and dive approach, or if they're going to have the early hook for the starters, but for the twins relievers right now, if you're looking to go add talent, who is there really to go add? There's not any big names that necessarily scream to you in the free agency hunt. There's nobody that you see as being the guy to go get. And, the only really relief pitcher that's available in free agency, I would say, is Michael Fulmer. Michael Fulmer might be, I think he's a worthwhile investment. I kind of forgot about him, you know, in the early stages of free agency, and you think, oh, who could the Twins get? Then you remember the guy that was on the roster for two months last year. He wasn't rock solid, but he certainly wasn't abysmal. He's somebody I would definitely think of bringing back. He could be an ideal sixth, seventh inning guy. Michael Fulmer would slot in there, veteran, uh, knows how to get guys out. Honestly, I don't know why the Twins haven't done it yet. Maybe it's that they were so focused on Correa. Maybe now they kind of know where to go. Maybe they figure if he hasn't gotten a deal yet that they kind of wait and get closer and let some other dominoes fall. Maybe a trade is coming, although I don't see the Twins trading for a reliever because that's really not what they do. I know they traded for Emilio Pagan, but he wasn't the centerpiece of the Twins trade for Taylor Rogers or trading away Taylor Rogers. Chris Paddock was the centerpiece. Pagan was more of a throw-in player or a guy to push it over the top. So the twins don't just go make a trade to get specifically a reliever because they view relievers like a lot of teams view relievers. They're kind of just mix and match, mash them together, find value where you can failed starter waiver wire guy who you think you can tweak. That's how teams build bullpens in modern baseball. So the twins aren't going to give up a whole bunch of assets to get a relief pitcher, even though in terms of their starting rotation versus relief core, that's the one that could really use another talent in there. The twins have a lot of bodies in both the relief core and in the starting pitching, but they're going to need to figure out where everybody slots and they're going to need to figure out how to put the best guys in position and figure who can develop because You have a lot of bodies, but there's only so many innings to go around and you have to pick who those guys are. And some guys just are not going to crack your roster. You're going to have to get rid of them anyways. Hence why you can make a trade for a Pablo Lopez, a Trevor Rogers, an Edward Cabrera kind of situation. Now, the Twins do love to surprise us with some of these moves. They can. I mean, did anybody expect that Chris Paddock was the guy that they were going to go get? You thought maybe Sean Mania. You thought maybe Mike Clevenger. Heck, you Darvish. 
uh, like Snell. Now they weren't moving off of Snell and Darvish, but like those names kept getting thrown around. You never really thought Chris Paddock. So the twins do have this way of making a trade for a position of need, but going in a spot that nobody even saw coming because Falvey and Levine like to get creative and whether it gets them in trouble for being too cute or whether it's a savvy move, it's a case by case basis. They've done a good mix of both. So that's where the twins stand in that regard. And that's really the three ways the twins can get better post Correa is going to be getting right-handed hitting. It's going to be getting a front of the line starter. And it's also going to be getting additional bullpen help. Those are the few ways that the twins can do it. And as well, we talked about the Carlos Correa presser and I promise you guys, I'm sorry. I keep telling you, we're going to take a look at the bullpen and we're going to do all this stuff and look at each position. But then all of a sudden the Correa news keeps breaking and the twins make a move here and a move there. So we'll get there. We'll get there. We still have a long winter to go until the world baseball classic and spring training roll around. But next time, We will break down the relief pitching and what the twins are going to do with there. And who do you think slots in and slots out? I really did a lot of research on this and looking through everything and who maybe slots in, who maybe slots out. So I don't really want to have to jam it into like 10 minutes or something. This podcast has already gone on about as long as it should. I don't want to stretch it out. That Carlos Correa reaction podcast was way too long, but I had a lot to say about Carlos Correa and still do today. Really glad he's in a Twins uniform, and there's just a lot of amazing stuff that the Twins still have. Uh, There's just a lot of amazing things that go with that. That just never happens and all that kind of stuff. So Twins baseball, exciting again, and that's just the fun part. It was really boring not having the Correa news or, or kind of the expectation that having a Carlos Correa player on your roster brings. So this has been Bombs Away, a Minnesota Twins podcast. I'm CJ Baumgartner. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as our YouTube channel. Just go Bombs Away, a Minnesota Twins podcast. You'll find it. Be sure to like, subscribe, do all that good stuff. See you guys next time.